Do you have an all-star HR team? You may feel your team is already performing at a high level, but let's take a closer look. Would your company's top leaders and employees agree that your HR team are operating at a high level? Are team members able to influence top executives on difficult topics? Are team members business and strategy focused on the challenges the organization is facing? Does the executive team trust your direct reports as advisors on human capital issues? If you can answer yes to these questions, you have built an outstanding team. If you feel there is room for improvement, Strategy Focused Group can create a custom development program to elevate the quality of your HR team. We use HCI certification programs as well as non-certified HRBP MBA master class to give your team a laser focus on the business and strategy. Please email us at info at strategyfocusedgroup.com. Sick of ordinary tissues feeling like sandpaper? Trying anything to find relief? Habibi, try the new FineRx. FineRx is especially made for colds and allergies. The extra strong three-ply tissues have lotion to soothe and eucalyptus oils to unblock your nose. FineRx. Goodbye, crusty nose. Hello, cold and allergy relief. Now available in Pocket Pack. Good morning, good evening, depending upon what part of the world you're in. If it's Friday, it's the CEO series. Our guest today is James Lafferty, who is the Chief Executive Officer for Fine Hygienics Holdings, based in the UAE, and has often been described as one of the most unique and diversified CEOs in the world today. He is not only a successful CEO, he's an Olympic coach, an award-winning journalist, and a college professor. A as well as a competitive athlete and philanthropist, husband and father of five and soon to be six. <laughs> James, good to see you again. <laughs> good to see you, Ron. Thanks for having me. Last time we were together was in Pakistan a few years back on that flight coming over. But it's good that we are able to catch up and kind of talk about you, put you in the spotlight because your, your career is so amazing. Olympic coach, fitness instructor to CEO. Tell us about that journey. Well, I'm, I'm a big believer in the concept of serendipity, Ron, which is you really don't, you can have a plan in life, but it's, it, there's an old joke. If you want to make God laugh, have a plan. Okay. And uh, things don't turn out the way you think they're going to turn out. Now they can turn out close. They can turn out worse. Okay. And they can turn out a lot better. And I put myself in the camp that life has far exceeded all of my beliefs and dreams and expectations. If you go back, I, I was a lover of sports. I was a good student. I studied uh, physiology and child psychology at University of Cincinnati. Uh, I was coaching uh, mainly uh, inner city at risk uh, youth athletes in the U.S. And I found that I was quite good at convincing and motivating and inspiring young uh, young athletes in the inner city in the U.S. to you try to use sports as a way to get out of a situation and get a college education and change their life. 
And so as opposed to other options they had on the streets and getting in, you know, getting in trouble with the law and things like that. And I had a number of my young athletes go to the U.S. Nationals. Uh, we ran against, uh, I coached against people like Michael Johnson, worked with him back when he was a youth athlete. And I was suddenly uh, coaching a number of the U.S. Uh, national, junior national team. And I loved it. And I was love coaching. I love teaching 13, 14 year olds. And all I wanted to do was coach and teach and make no money. And in 84, I started a company with a group of doctors. They came to me and we started the one of the first fitness consulting firms in the U.S. in this whole new area called corporate fitness. Oh, and okay. um, we were hired by the local big company in my hometown is Procter & Gamble. They are a very forward-thinking company, a very good company, caring about their employees. And they they had this belief that a happy and healthy employee is a good employee. So they hired us to run fitness programs for their executives. And I had a program where I, I did fitness testing on these executives, and then we would set them up on a lifestyle program with diet, exercise, stress management, that type of thing. And one day I'm testing this guy's body fat and he's a brand manager and I have no idea what a brand manager is. And I'm testing his body fat with a skin fold caliper, pinching areas yeah. of the body and putting it into an algorithm. And he suddenly, you know, he says to me, you should do what I do. You know, I've gotten to know you. You'd be good at the work I do. And I said, what are you doing? He wow. said, I'm in brand management. And I said, what in the world is brand management? And so he talked about it and he got me to take the test and have a screening interview. And I passed all that. And I went into a full interview uh, to see if they would make me an offer. And I interviewed with three different brand managers in the old soap division, which was Tide and, yeah. and all those brands, Gain and Era and all the, the, the laundry brands you see on shelf in the US. And this was, uh, again, in 84, before the internet. And you had to wait for a letter in the mail. And I get a letter in the mail uh, 10 days later, eight days later. And it's, I rip it open. I'm all excited. I'm like, Oh, that's gonna, you know, let's see. This and it. it's a standard <clears throat> corporate letter, you know, paragraph one's a bit of butter you up. It's, yeah. it's all, we love talking to you. You're so interesting. You have a unique background, all your coaching stories. And then paragraph two, they cut to the chase. They say, however, we don't really feel you're a good fit. And so, you know, we wish you the best of luck. Now, I get that. And I'm, I'm too, I'm too dumb to think that to accept it. I thought you could fight anything. So I go to the library and I look up who's the head of HR and PNG and I fire a letter off this guy. And I say, you know, dear sir, interviewing is not a science. It's an art and your artists aren't very good. I want new artists. And Proctor was so stunned that they brought me back for a second set of interviews. Oh. And the second set I got hired. And so, um, I, I started in marketing, 1980, end of 85 in, in the U.S. I was very intimidated. I was one of the few that didn't have an MBA. Yeah. Uh, and um, but, you know, I through a lot of hard work in that, uh, you know, I was promoted and moved up and then eventually went overseas and spent 25 years there. As a, I was CEO in Poland and Baltics, a CEO in the mm -hmm. Philippines and Southeast Asia. Uh, I was the CEO in the, in the Near East, in the Levant region, and uh, CEO in Western Europe on the paper business. So I did multiple CEO roles in the company, then went to Coke, then BAT, and then landed where I am now. And all through that time, I've kept my toes in sports. I coached the Nigerian 
marathoners in the 2012 London Olympics. I worked with the Philippine Olympic team in 2016 and the most recent uh, 2021 Olympics uh, in Tokyo. So I've been to many Olympic games with different athletes and I keep, you know, I stay involved in that part of the world. It's still a passion. And uh, here I am. So that's the story. Wow, that's an amazing story, starting from just being recognized from the TNG side, and that gentleman saw something. And then the no comes in, and you rebel, not rebel, but you respond to the no. So yeah, it was, it's, it's great. That's the beauty of serendipity. I mean, that guy, his name is Tom Schramm. We still talk. He's a great man. You know, I owe him so very much. Uh, you know, when I woke up that morning to test his body fat, I never thought my life was going to change. But that whole conversation changed the course of my life. And that's wow. the wonderfulness of life and serendipity. Mm. So someone reached out to me and they said, oh, my God. So that's the, a friend of mine in the Philippines. Dave Romano reached out to me and said, oh, my God. So this is the coach for the Philippines Olympics team. And I'm thinking, uh, I don't really know, but, you know, we'll check into that. So you covered you covered that piece. Um, so sponsor to the no, people, there's so many people that look at jobs and I talk about great resignation. And a lot of people are probably in the same situation. They go on an interview, they think they did well, and they get these kind of, I call them sandwich kind of letters. So the first part of it says you did good. And the second part says, give you the meat of it. And then they kind of close it out. Would you suggest people do that today? respond back to that letter, that hiring manager or that head of HR? If they want the job, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's many lessons in my story in my career, but the biggest lesson is I can coach Ron and you know, you know this, you're a guru at this. You can coach uh, most everything. I can coach you how to give a presentation. I can coach on how to write business memos. I can coach how to, how to shoot an ad or, financial analysis or run a project. This is all teachable. But yeah. the most important thing of all, I can't teach. I can't coach desire. Okay. The desire has to come from within. And if you've got desire, I've got a job for you. But, uh, you know, that that hunger and hunger is what got me in a PNG. I like these people. I liked what I saw. I wanted the job. You got to fight. And yeah. now if you don't want the job, then and you let's say you go to the interview and you don't I always tell people, what's the smell of the place? What do you feel? Do you like these people? And, you know, if you go in and you don't like the culture at all, then, of course, and if they reject you, then you tell them no. But if you want the job, you fight. And there's there's at least 20 young Filipinos in Procter & Gamble worldwide today who we said no to at P&G. And then they wrote me a letter and they said, sir, I know your story. And I'm like you, I, I, I want another chance. And I would go to HR with a letter and I would say, you know what, bring the kid back yeah. because they, they, maybe they aren't the smartest one in the, on the team, or they're not the, they don't have this or that attribute, but you know what? They got desire and desire mm -hmm. is enough. So, so every recruiter is listening in. This is the deal. This is the deal. And sometimes you have to look below the surface. And, 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 and I think that's kind of what you're talking about. So the coaching aspect. So you hear a lot of I've seen a lot of articles. Leaders as coach. You were probably onto that a long time ago because you were anchored in coaching. What is it what, from a leadership perspective? 
What does coaching look like for your team or inside of your organization? I think the big part, and this was I learned this early on, is that the great leaders have to envision and create a future state that people want to be a part of. They have to feel that there's something special. And so I was coaching in this neighborhood of Cincinnati called Forest Park, which was, you know, I had I've had people I coach that are in prison now that I even had some that, you know, for murder, for serious charges. This was a, a very, very tough neighborhood, about 80% African-American. And these kids have all kinds of, of challenges that, and family situations that they had to fight through. And here comes this guy along. And I say, I, I, what I said to them is that I said, this doesn't have to be your life. You don't have to stay here. You don't have to get a job or you don't have to sell crack on the street. You don't have to do this. And, and I'll help you get a scholarship you go to college and, you know because everybody said my mom or my dad they don't have money i say and u.s <laughs> education is expensive and i said look i'll help you i will get you you listen and you play the play the the rules that we're laying out on this team i'll get you in and you know today my first kids are all in their 50s and oh, i'm there you know uh, about 20 of them are on, I don't have a lot of Facebook friends, but about 20 of them, we stay together on Facebook. They're all teachers and coaches. They all graduated from college. I'm so proud of them. You know, I'm just so proud. Of, you know, And they've got families and stable marriages. And these kids came out of a very tough situation. And they all will say, I'm coaching coach because of you. You know, they've all written me these long, they're like, I'm only doing this because of you. You know, you inspired me. I wanted to be a coach too and, and give back. And um, that all the, the secret wasn't, yeah, okay, I took them fishing. And I used to, if they had problems at home, I used to have them come and stay at my house with me and my family. But the big thing was, is give another picture of the future. Give a picture that people can believe in and that they can be inspired by. And, and you know, these are great kids. They just need more role models than the local guy who might be, doing illegal things and driving a BMW. They, they needed another another role model and another yeah. chance and a chance to say, I can go to college. And then later when I lived in sub-Saharan Africa and Nigeria for a couple of years, you know, I started a program. I recruited kids off the streets that were great runners, but had no, you know, not in a good school or, you know, Nigeria is a tough place. And, you know, the first girl I recruited at, at 16, she's now getting her PhD at University of Texas, El Paso. Wow. And I got her a full scholarship to the US. I sponsored her. You know, this is a girl barefoot off the street of Lagos. Mm. And, and and today, and I tell her all the time, her name is uh, Buki. It's short for uh, Bukola. You know, I tell her Buki all the time. I, I'm just so proud of her. She went and got her bachelor's. She graduated top of her class. She got her master's. Now she's getting her PhD. And you know, she might go back to her home country and invest in the society there, but she's taking care of her family wow. and she's got, you know, she's, she had a chance and she took advantage of it. And this is, you know, these kids are great that when you're born in the U S you, you take for granted these opportunities, yeah. Yeah. you know, go to Nigeria and, and, you know, the sad, the sad thing about Buki, she was top of her class in high school, in Nigeria, but it wasn't a good school. And so when she took the SAT, she bombs and it's not because she's not smart she's brilliant but mm -hmm. she didn't have the, the foundation so i spent 
three years paying for tutors wow. to get her to to get her to pass the SAT. Then when she passed, we got her the full scholarship, and she was off to Arizona, uh, you know, to run. And then once she got there, I told the coach, "Trust me, I know I know this young lady. She's amazing. She will not let this fail." And she studied so hard, and she graduated with like a three point eight. Wow. running NCAA track and cross country, you know, so mm. on top of being a, and then, and she hasn't seen her mother and father for what, seven years now, you know, eight mm. years, she hasn't seen her mother and father and she's built a life in the U S and, and, you know, this is what it's all about is to be able to give people a chance. And I believe in using sports. It's not sports just to win. It's right. using sports as a nation building yeah. tool and to help young people get an education. So you've given back all of your life. Do you kind of attribute some of your successes to the more you give, the more it kind of come, comes back? You talked about serendipity. I absolutely do. If, if you look at, you know, on, on my wrist below my watch, I got a tattoo. The tattoo says karma in Sanskrit. Okay. I believe in the, you know, we can call it fate or we can call it karma. We can call it, you know, any number of, of concepts. But the idea that what you give in the world comes back to you in a positive mm -hmm. way or a negative way, that if you give negative things to the world, I believe in this. And I, I think I, you know, I try, I'm not perfect, but you try to give to the world and make the world a better place. So, you know, you mm -hmm. and I, everybody that would ever listen to this, we have a, three options in life to leave this world the same as we found it, make no impact whatsoever. Number two is leave it worse off than the way we found it, which is make a negative impact or make, leave it better off, which is to make a positive impact. I'm trying as best I can to leave a positive impact. Say the world was a slightly, a little bit better because this guy was around. That's, yeah. that's you know, my life purpose. When people talk about purpose and that, for me, it's simple. I want to make the world a better place and giving a kid in Nigeria a chance to get an education and bring back skills and capabilities to their country. I mean, Nigeria is so full of talent, it's scary, but they don't have the infrastructure to exploit it. So let me help them and let, let's help. And it's one person at a time. It, it's one human being at a time. I remember there was a story a few months back, Shaquille O'Neal had gone to a, a jewelry store and there was a gentleman there buying an engagement ring and he was trying to work out the terms to pay for it and he could see the stress on his face and he walked over and told the lady, here's the card, pay for it. And the gentleman was like, he could not understand, here's Shaquille O'Neal and he's coming in to do this. So in an interview later, he didn't want it to get out, but it got out. And he talked, he said, every day I go out, I try and make a difference in some way. I try and touch somebody in some way that I can help and do something to brighten their day. And, you know, that made a difference to me because I, myself, I do a lot of coaching to people across the world, second careers, career development, career coaching, kind of thing. And Fridays, because Fridays, you know, in the old, old system, Fridays in the UAE was an off day. And, but that was the day I did my giving back day kind of, kind of approach. And that ties into the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and random acts of kindness, yes. like what Shaquille did, is just fabulous. And it's a great, yeah. 
feeling when I when I left Nigeria for good. I, it, it's 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 funny. I had watched the movie Pay It Forward, which you know obviously had me crying. We I watched the movie in in Nigeria at some point. It really shook me up. This idea of like give something to someone and tell them don't pay me back. Pay it forward to three other people. Okay. So when I when I left Nigeria and, and was moving to uh, at that time to Australia, I had like, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe eight hundred dollars of Naira in my bank account. I wasn't going to go through <laughs> this effort to change it out. So I pull all the Naira out. I close my bank account. And on the way from my house to the airport, which is quite far in Lagos, it was, you know, it's a two hour drive and yeah. lots of stuff. Every time I saw like a laborer on the side of the road doing something, we would stop and I would have my driver stop and I'd get out and they, they couldn't figure it out. Here's this, you know, the name in, the name in Yoruba for a white guy is, is Oibo. And so here's this big Oibo getting out of the car and he comes over and I would hand everybody, like each person would get like $50 in Naira. Yeah. which at that time was, you know, it, it's not much now because of the devaluation, but I would give them like 8,000 Naira or 9,000 yeah. Naira. Yeah. And, and they would just stare and I would explain, look, pay it forward. I'm going to give this to you. I want you to be wow. kind to three other people. And then they would nod, but they were still like, <laughs> what's happening? This guy gets out of a car and gives me money. And, and so by the time we get at the airport, I had given the money away. And, and it was just to say, if, if one or two of them really do it, who knows what you can start? Can you start an actual fire of people giving to other people? And in, in Nigeria, is a, it's a tough place to, to work for and live for many people. And, and so to get a, a little bit of kindness going is a, is a fabulous thing in an environment where people are struggling day to day. Yeah. So you think about all of us can, do, can give back in some way regardless of where you are, what station in life. I see my good friend, Stephen Kaplan, just talked about a friend of his at a stage four cancer. And he, his, he has a tattoo on his arm that says, let the world feel your heartbeat. Giving back, someone feeling the kindness of, the, of a person who, as you said, giving out to this money on the road, people didn't have any ideas to what you did as a result of that. Yeah, what a wonderful story and what a wonderful example. Yeah. Uh, the what the, what this guy is and what Stefan is sharing. What a great great story and so inspirational. So let's talk about doubt because you know you were different background, fitness instructor, physiology degree or something along those lines, and you go into corporate, not an MBA. Confidence. I was scared to death. Okay. And and completely un I was completely convinced for a period of time that I they had made a mistake. Mm -hmm. I mean, my, you know, here was my you, you join a brand team. So I get out of school. I go to University of Cincinnati. Now, PNG is in Cincinnati, but they don't really recruit there. They they go to the big MBA, they go to Harvard Business School and all this stuff. Yep. So I had a boss. He was a graduate MBA from University of Chicago, top five school. The guy I shared an office with had his MBA from Sloan School of Business at MIT. And the new hire that joined with me, she was a Harvard MBA. And there I am with my hair parted down the middle when I had a lot more hair than today. My hair parted down the middle with a bachelor's degree in spike and physiology from 
the University of Cincinnati, you know, which was not put on a Ivy League status by any means. Yeah. And and, you know, I was terrified to the point that a couple senior managers like took me to lunch. It clearly the word got out and they were like, you got to, you know, you can do it. We you know, we have people here. Our CEO didn't have an MBA, you know, it, but it was only when. I really started to do projects and I actually did well. And then I was and I was so terrified. I mean, I've always been a fear motivated individual. I've always believed in that. <clears throat> there's that principle of dog versus horse theory of human yeah. motivation. You know, the dogs respond to petting and love and, it, you know, it's okay. If you whip a dog, the dog puts his tail between his legs and goes to the corner. Now, the horse is different. If if you motivate a horse with petting, it doesn't run fast. You got to whip it in the rear end. So if you look at a horse race versus a dog race, it's two completely different oh, motivations. Wow, that's a big metaphor. And, you know, so if you put a rabbit in front of the dogs, they chase it. If you put a rabbit in front of the horse, the horse is like, I don't care. If you whip the dog, the dog stops running. If you whip the horse, it goes fast. So I've always been a horse, which was a bit fear motivated. I was always terrified about, I have kids to feed and I'm going to lose my, I've always been afraid of And my parents had died, you know, when I was quite young and there was no big inheritance or anything that there was nobody to fall back on. I noticed even today, I'll have young people working for me and they, they, they lack a sense of urgency. And one of the reasons is they've got a safety net. Yeah. The safety net is mommy and dad, you know, mom and dad are rich. And if, if things go really South, I can just move home and they'll pay for everything the rest of my life. See, I never had that. So I was terrified. And that terror was a competitive advantage because I was much hungrier than everyone else. And it goes back to desire. The MBAs were smarter than me and they had the pedigree, but I basically became the top dog, mm. even though I didn't have the MBA because I outworked everybody else. I spent more hours and you know I was a believer in work ethic. And so after a period of time, I built my confidence to say, you know, they've got the paperwork, they got that diploma, but it's just a piece of paper. But it took a while. It took a while to get there. So what happened when that first promotion came about and you were managing a team who had the paper? Uh, was that another hill to climb? Or by then you had kind of worked it out, worked through it in some way? No, it was interesting. I had a talk with them because I, you know, I had been a coach. I was a head track and field coach at 18 years old over like 13, 14, 15. So the, okay. the kids I were coaching was very close in age and, and you know, I, but I was able to build the credibility and build the, the spirit. Now, when I was promoted to brand manager, I was 25 years old and my, my two main assistants were both over 30. And so okay. I, I went to them and I said, look, I know that you're six and seven, eight years older than me. I get it. There are things I'm going to learn from you. There are things you can learn from me. Uh, okay. I, I need you to, you know, to be on the same page that this is the relationship I and mean, I will be your, you know, your boss. But, you know, I'm a fair guy. And, and then we all shook hands and they said, no, we trust you. And it was fine. But but was I was I apprehensive on that first day? Yeah, I was. But I had my speech down and, and I had done that with with big groups of, you know, kids. Again, kids that had grown up on the street and were pretty street smart. And, you know, okay. here I come. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, when I was having my first kid. I was still a coach. It was because I had a child before I went to PNG. I'm I, and there was I had done really well coaching these these uh, junior high kids, and so 
I get this call from this athletic director. He was a legend in the Cincinnati public schools and the, the toughest school in the city of Cincinnati was Taft High School, which was in the projects of Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, we met and, and we were talking and he said, you know, let me take you and show you the facilities and all that. And I went down and we're, we go into the weight room and, you know, a lot of the football teams in there and they are all staring at me. Okay. Who is this guy? Who is this stranger? We don't know him. You know, what's the stuff? And so I was pretty good on the weights and I, so I, I go up to these two guys and I say, let me join you in the sets. And I remember they had the two 45 pound plates on each side. So they had, they had 225 pounds on the bar. And at that time I could rep like 10 reps on that. And so I, I lay down and I rep out six or seven in a suit and tie. And suddenly, you know, all the linebackers and all the linemen, they come in like, Whoa, man, you know, can you give me some tips and you know, stuff? And it, you have to earn your way. You got, you, you know, there was a little test there. I saw it in their eyes. I saw it in their eyes and say, okay, you know what? I'm an outsider. They think I'm a rich kid from the suburbs. This is the projects of Cincinnati, you know, section eight housing. Mm -hmm. uh, these guys, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're in the weight room and this is where their domain and I got to earn my stripes. And I got to show how, it, you know, I can't just stand there and give orders. You got to go into the trenches. And, and it was one of those defining moments. Yeah. And when I, when I eventually, because I had start, I had a family, I couldn't, they wanted me full time. And I remember they were saying, you're going to be the track coach and then assistant football coach and then strength coach. They were trying to put together enough positions because each position had like a salary. salary yeah. so, so, you know, if I was the strength coach, I get $2,500 a year. And if I'm the assistant football coach, I get 3000 They were trying to put together enough to like that I could, I could feed my family, but it was tough. And I remember going back to him and the sadness on his face. I said, I just can't do it. I mean, I got a, I got a baby now. I got to pay the rent. I can't, you know, we'll starve on, you know, on $10,000 a year, $12,000 a year. I need to go higher than that. And he's like, I understand. And we shook hands and he said, will you come around and help? And I did, but it, it, you know, there's these moments and you have to earn people's respect and you have to yeah. earn respect is not granted based on title and you have to earn it and you have mm. to get in the trenches. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's what, uh, in that particular situation, that's what I had to do. Yeah. So it's not earned because of title. So how would you coach a new CEO or new leader, um, that's coming from the outside in? What are the key points that you would give them to, you know, based on the story as to how you were able to immerse yourself, gain credibility, and get people to follow? Well, you know, in the beginning, it's hard. There are certain principles of leadership, and, and I give them things written down. You know, I'll give you as an example, always do the right thing. I mean, the, the backbone of, of leadership is, is being principle-based. I mean, if people don't trust you or they don't think that you're predictable, they will never follow you because they don't, they don't understand. So you, you know, that's why politicians in business struggle with leadership. They'll, they think they're leaders, but people see right through that stuff. It's just like when, when people, it, you know, it's always funny how people, they self delude. I have people that work for me who they kiss my ass all the time. And they think they're so good at it that I don't know it. Like yeah. they, they perfected this technique they dive down under my desk and they come up and they put their lips right on my rear end. And then, and they say, I'm so smooth that, 
he doesn't even notice. I'm, I know exactly who's the butt kisser. And I, yeah. and we all know it now, whether I call it out or not is a different story. Now, yeah. Yeah. the same is true with these politicians. Like they'll say, I changed my mind. Or I did this. Everybody's thinking under their breath. He's just a snake. Yeah. So, you know, I, I will start with certain principles. Like I always encourage people to be honest all the time, all the time. Never lie to your people. Never, Never. Lie, to your people. lie to your people. Now, now, other than that, I, I also have to see them in action. And, and I also try to role model. So then there's a combination of some opening coaching. But then the big coaching comes over time when I watch them in action. And then I'm able to give very specific feedback because leadership is a huge topic, as you know, with a book that you could write a book on leadership that's 700 pages and still have 700 more to go. So you can't boil it down to like one thing. So some people need to be coached on this element of leadership. Other people need to be coached on a complete different element. So I need to see them in action. Then I tailor the coaching to them. And I also try to role model uh, the type of leader that I would want to work for and, mm -hmm. and, and see hopefully that they will pick up some of that through leadership by example. So have you worked with any of the managers that you have worked for for uh, over a period of time, whether in uh, the UK or Europe or like those that have gone on and now are senior leaders themselves? I know oh, you, yeah. talked about, you talked about the young lady from Nigeria who's not PhD. Give us a, an example of uh, talk it through from someone that you have you have coached and are now senior leaders in their own right. Yeah, I'm so proud of so many people. Uh, you know, I'll give you, uh, and you know, these are people I've told recently. I'm so proud of you. The the recently named Minister of Tourism of Morocco, the country of Morocco, Fatim Zara Amor, worked for me for a number of years. I coached her. I, you know, I think I gave her a lot of value and helped her career. And you know, she became a business leader and a CEO in Morocco. And then the new government with the prime minister tapped her to serve her country. And she has taken on the role of, of minister of tourism in the, in the cabinet of the government of Morocco. And she's revolutionizing all of it, bringing a lot of good P&G principles and business principles into government. And she's being lauded everywhere. And you know, I just talked to her four or five days ago. And I said, I'm just so proud of you. You know, she, and, and she's taking those skills and, and she's helping her country become better. So she's not a CEO anymore in the business world, but she's one of the, you know, the top 10 political leaders in her country. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, uh, in Poland, there's so many CEOs now that had, had worked for me. The biggest bank is CEO there, the, the, most recent CEO of Procter & Gamble was the first Polish CEO in the company, Mark Kapuscinski. You know, he worked for me for five, six years. Wow. And now they had other great bosses. It's not like it's all working for me, but you know, I, I look back on that heritage. There are CEOs all over the world that, you know, have worked with me, worked for me, uh, in my years. And I'm very proud of all of them. And I, and I tell them that, you know, that, uh, Ricardo Bellini, who is the CEO of Chloe, they've just announced they're the first fashion house in the world to go carbon neutral. And he's yeah. taken all these bold steps. You know, he's taken huge, bold steps to 
move an industry that is very far from carbon neutral to break a brand carbon neutral, including changing the fabric that they use to make sure that it's carbon, it leaves a neutral footprint on the planet. Now, Ricardo, again, worked for me and I've done lots of training when he was in uh, another fashion house in Paris, a, a company called Maison Margiela. I went and did training a couple of years for him. Then he took the job at Chloe, you know, as part of LVMH. And, you know, he's the CEO and I, you know, I open up CNN and there's a picture of him. You know, this CEO is changing the fashion industry. And I talked to him. On, it was maybe a week because his birthday was last week. So I wrote him a note on his birthday and I said, you know, I'm just so proud of you. You know, they, and they've gone on. And it's a great compliment. They have bigger CEO jobs than I do. It, 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 the student has surpassed the teacher. And I'm very happy about that. Yeah. They've gone yeah. on to much bigger things. So there, there are in many countries, especially in the emerging world, and, and that's where I got my satisfaction. It's When I moved to Poland, Ron, it was three years after the fall of the wall. They were still adjusting. You know, capitalism was still... And, and a free market was still being understood today to look and there's eight, 10, 12 CEOs there that work for me. And they're they're They've led their country from third world status to now they're a member of the European Union. Now they're a leader. You know, I'm very proud of the country and I'm very proud of those people. And I'm proud that I was there in those transitional years, the mid 90s, the end 90s, you know, the early 2000s when Poland was still that hungry tiger trying to join the game, you know, pre I was there pre EU, you know, pre European union. And I saw the country grow and and develop and become great and, and, and realize their potential. And I'm, I'm proud of the nation. It's not just the people. It's also the country. I'm proud of Mm. Poland. Mm. That's awesome. Let's take a commercial break and we'll come right back. Okay. Our wellness is defined by the choices we make. Small, everyday choices with big impacts on our well-being. But how do I know if I'm making the right choice? That's easy. It's fine. Because fine kitchen towels undergo our patented sterilization process to ensure superior germ protection. That's why I choose fine, the number one sterilized tissue in the world. Germs aren't an issue when it's a fine tissue. Okay, welcome back. I wanted to ask a question. What do you look for when you're hiring a, a senior leader? Like you've gone through that process, you've built the track record of developing people. I'm coming in to interview for a role there. What are you looking for? And, and what are you trying to find out about me as you, as you try and get to the point of making a decision across three or four people? This is a senior leader or a mid-level or a senior it... leader to work on your team. Uh, well, I'm going to look at a, a couple of things. One is uh, obviously their pedigree of success. By the time they're senior, they should have a history. Yeah. This is like hiring a coach and 
in college basketball or the NFL or any, you know, the, the English Premier League, that, that this this individual should be showing a, a track record of winning okay. Okay. Uh, by this time. Because, uh, you know, my senior people are 20 year plus veterans. So, I mean, I, I've got on my leadership team, you know, there's three people that are almost 60 or 60 plus. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're not we're not just hiring young bucks. We're hiring experienced people that have a they have a long history of where they go. They make change. The second at that point, uh, it reminds me of an interview I once had with Coke uh, with Sergio Zeman. The guy says to me, you're a marketing director at Procter. I'm not going to ask any marketing questions. I just want to know if you're going to fit in this company. And and. That, that always made sense to me. Uh, yeah. I, if you take my my CFO, who's a superstar in our company today, the guy's 60 years old. Yeah. We hired him three. We hired him at 57. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't going to ask him technical questions about accounting. Uh, he's been a CFO, CFO for 20 years. He knows yeah. the, all the ins and outs. Yeah. The question is, is he going to fit into the culture of this company? Because every mm-hmm. company has its own call it personality. It has this, yeah. you can succeed in one place and fail in another. It's about yeah. fit. Yeah. And, you know, we're a different, we're a smaller company. We're family owned and private equity owned. It's a, a huge premium on results, not, not style, but substance. And are they going to fit in on that? And then the final thing is that there's, there's clearly some traits that are important. I will always interview on attitude, always. Okay. And I want to understand that. And for me, that that desire, that persistence. And so I ask typically broad, open-ended questions about their life and about things because I want to see if they got how much fights in the dog. Yeah. And so I'll yeah. ask people, what's the hardest thing you've ever gone through in your life? I just yeah. want to listen. It, it's not to judge. It's not to say, oh, that's not a good answer. But it's part of a, a series of, of interrogatories to understand when this person's back is against the wall, what do they do? Because some people quit, (laughs) some people quit and some people battle it out. And I want to see the battle because our business, we're in consumer tissue is easily, in my view, the hardest business in consumer goods. Very, very difficult business. You got to be the best of the best in this one. If people say FMCG is the best and there can be an argument for that, then if in paper, you have to be the best of the best because this is a tough, tough, tough business. Okay. So that's C-suite. So how would you, how would you advise, say, the C-suite member as they're looking to hire a mid-level manager? So I, maybe my career is short, but I've had some wins. What should I be looking for? Should, should that be more of a technical kind of interview or kind of a cross mix of Questions. What are we trying to find at that level? I don't, you know, I think honestly, Ron, the more I've lived and you see these memes put on uh, LinkedIn, I, I agree with these guys. I agree with you. You know what? Experience is overrated. Certainly talent is way overrated. Yeah. Way overrated. I mean, I've met so many people who are so much smarter than me, but then they make bad choices and they don't have the heart and they want to get by on their talent only. I mean, you know, the greatest athlete, I, it's funny, I talked to Michael Johnson once about this. You know, we, he came to Poland after he retired and we were together. And we talked about this one runner that I knew very well. And this runner had beaten Michael in the, in the junior nationals in the U.S., you know, in the early 80s. And I knew the guy. And the guy was 
truly one of the most gifted runners ever. Now you've never heard of him. Nobody's ever, because he didn't, you know, he made choices in his life and, and squandered the talent. Talent, the guy who wins the 100 meters in the Olympics is not the fastest man in the world. The fastest man in the world is someone else who you've never heard of who had better potential, but then through decisions that they make, they, okay. they, they had to drop out or they had to do something else. So if when I go to, I think talent is overrated, I think experience is overrated. I want the right attitude people. So all the interview, my advice is you go for the attitude. Okay. You go for the intangibles that you can't teach. Desire, perseverance, flexibility, problem solving. Do they find solutions to problems or do they just come and they, we can't do anything. They said, no, we can't, do, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, look at those types of dynamics. And I've found hiring people, you know, I, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a Nigeria story. That, well, this is one of the best stories. I get a letter one day as CEO of Coca-Cola in Nigeria. So I'm the co I'm the CEO of a company called Nigerian bottling company, which is Coca-Cola Nigeria. I have 6,000 people. I get a letter one day that my secretary decides to let me read it. And it's some lady in, in a part of Nigeria. And she says, you know, I I'm crippled because I got polio. Now who gets polio anymore? I mean, polio, you think polio is dead, but not in Nigeria where people don't get vaccinated. So she got polio. She's handicapped. And if you know about that part of the world, when you get a handicap, you're kind of discriminated against. Yeah. And she was a CPA. So she went to school and she did everything CPA, but she couldn't get a job. So she had opened a store in her front in front of her home on the mm -hmm. street selling pencils and snacks. And she said, I've opened a store. And I'm trying to help my family pay the bills. I want to help my mom and dad. And all I want is to sell some Coca-Cola and no sales rep will call on me. Wow. And so she was writing to me to buy Coca-Cola to sell in her little table <laughs> store that she had in front of her house. Now, I'm kind of blown away. So I tell my secretary, bring her in, tell her to bring in. And so they got her to come and she comes in her like her best clothes or Sunday clothes. She's terrified out of her mind. What does the CEO of this big company want? And she didn't know it, but I was interviewing her. So at the end of the interview, I'm like, this is what I want in this company. So I hire her and, and I have other people interview her and we hire her as like a cost accountant, uh, you know, low level, but she's making more money than she ever dreamed. And she had a professional job. She's the CFO of Coke today in Nigeria, 10 years later. And everybody would say to her at the beginning because she would walk with a limp and she had a brace on her leg because she had one leg was was heavily atrophied. It was much smaller than the other because the muscles had died by the polio yeah. virus. And so she walked with a, a severe limp and she would she would have to pick her leg up and move it. And it barely could support any weight. And people would say, you know, how did you get in here? And she'd say, you know, he gave me a chance and it. It, and it, it changed even the whole company because people realized, stop judging based on these visual cues. Judge people mm. for what's in their heart. Yeah. And, you know, her name is Tosin. I'm also telling she and, you know, I think she I think she even felt maybe she would never find love. She just got married a year and a half ago. Wow. <laughs> and I was one of the sponsors of her wedding, you know, and I'm just so happy for her. And she's built a whole life and all she needed was a chance. That's <laughs> all she needed was a shot. In, 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 in life. And, you know, you give them a chance and then they run with it. And she's a star. In fact, 
the, the final piece of the story, she called me a couple years ago about different locations because Coke was so impressed with her. They were thinking of making her an expat in Europe. Wow. So, you know, you, you think about, it, you say, she's so good that European countries are saying, we'll bring this Nigerian financial person to work in the Coca-Cola business. And I think she was looking at like Bulgaria and yeah. there was a couple of countries and she called me and said, you know, help me boss, you know, what, which one do you think? And I, and I remember telling her, look, some I know and some I don't really know, but it, you know, if you get a chance, you should do it. Now she ended up getting married and staying, but she was offered to be an expat because they thought so much about her. Wow. And you know, that's, you give people a chance and I hired her because of the person she was not because of her diploma from and it was from yeah. a, a, a school i didn't know yeah. Yeah. yeah she had her cpa but we didn't you know that didn't matter it was mm -hmm. just that you know what she tried to do was make up for things to education and she just needed someone to give her a shot and i felt so yeah. bad that the only thing she could do is open her own store but give her credit she didn't sit at home and cry exactly. she she opened a store yeah and she said, i'm selling pencils and i'm selling potato chips and i'm selling uh, gari, which is, uh, you know, cassava roots that, that people eat uh, on the street. She was selling yeah. gari and all this stuff. And, and she, uh, she was trying to build a life and we saw it. I'm, I'm glad she wrote me that letter that day. Wow. Did you get flashback? That letter came in for the letter that you wrote back to your people whenever they said no. Did you kind of get flashbacks to that or, or that's kind of your MO? If something touches you, you take it a step further? Yeah, to, to a degree. I mean, look, hunger is easy to detect. I just hired a chief of staff here and fine. And, you know, this lady, like she kept always, she'd write to me and say, I want to work for fine. And I'd say, look at the job openings. Let's see, there was nothing there. And then she'd come to some online training that I was giving and she'd be there and comments like, I really want to work in fine, work in your organization. And, you know, you I get a lot of people that say that, Ron, but then I say, well, right now we don't have anything. They disappear <laughs> in five seconds. Like you never hear from them again. There's no, yeah. I, they have no idea what it takes persistence. So this lady, her name is Diana and she's a star. She like constantly is following up with me and not in a, in a smart way, but constantly following up. Is there anything? Is there anything? And eventually I said, you know what? I have this job, chief of staff of the company. This job requires incredible persistence. Yeah. And I said, I know exactly who I want because this person just does not give up, never takes no for an answer. And, and you know, I didn't get irritated. I didn't get upset. I said, you know what? And so when the role opened and the, the skill set was about persistence, I made a decision. I'm only going to look at people who just won't leave me alone. They just have to, because this job is, is following up of everything that comes out of my office. So it's all about persistence yeah. and it's all about chasing down details and mm -hmm. it's all about staying on top of things and being able to answer any question on anything. Now that, that's a special set of uh, very important skills. Yeah. 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 If you quit, if you send me a letter, which I get every day, this, these, I'm sorry, I have to say it, they're stupid letters. These people have no understanding about how to get a job. And they say, dear sir or madame, you can't what? even take the time to figure out if I'm a sir or madame, really? And you want me to give you a job? I mean, are you kidding me? It's mind blowing. 
Like they're so lazy that they copy and paste the same email <laughs> to 500 people and I get it, I instantly delete it. Yeah. And then you never hear from them again. Now what this, what this person did was write me a personal letter, talk to me personally, take the time and energy to make it personal, then follow up. And eventually, you know what happened? She got a job and fine. And I, I can give three, four other examples like that. Yeah. It's about tenacity. I can't teach what Diana does. She is yeah. a bulldog. The drive. Yeah. That. yeah. Other people, they quit and they go, you know, this is too hard. This is too hard. I don't like this. I don't like, you know, having confrontation. I don't like... Then you know what? You don't get the job. Exactly. Exactly. James, uh, thank you so much. You know, in our marketing brief that Ade wrote, he said this is going to be an inspiring show, and it fit the bill perfectly. Um, because so many people today are struggling in some way, shape, or form, trying to find a job. So persistent. So as we close out, I wanted to ask you one question because you are a coach. What do you do now to stay in the game, so to speak? You know, physical routine, gym. What, what do you What do you do? Uh, I do. I, I do it two ways. First, I'm in the gym seven days a week, maybe okay. at a minimum of six. I might be I might take an occasional day off. So I'm seven days a week in the gym. I think that I tell people over 50, you got to stay. When you interview over 50, what are they thinking on the other side? They are yeah. asking themselves, is this guy going to die or is he <laughs> going to be a insurance nightmare? Yeah, You got to take care of yourself. And, and yeah. these guys that are you. You know, I'm I'm 58 going on 41. Okay. <laughs> Some people are 58 going on 81. Okay, you, you got to decide. I so, love your I love your metaphors. <laughs> you know, I eat. You know, I was telling a guy today that was looking for a job. He wanted my advice. I said, you know, and he's he's like 52, and I said, you know, you got to get. I told him you gotta you gotta get yourself in shape because people are looking at you like how many years are we going to get out of this guy before he's like feels over on us. Yeah. And, and then I said, you know, when I sent out resumes, when I was looking at, you know, a job in my, you know, my early fifties and that I wrote people and I told them I'm 30 years old with 25 years experience. And everybody would laugh when they would get that letter and they'd laugh. I'd say, and they go, what do you mean? They said, I said, I've never met a 30 year old. I couldn't work into the ground. And, the, okay. and then you take away the whole age thing. And then yeah. the separate thing is to be a student for life. You got to study stuff. So, you know, you take me as an example. I grew up in Proctor as a marketer. When I went to marketing training, it was TV, radio, print, outdoor. You know, I, I, was, a, I was a master of media planning on TV and all that. Then the whole thing goes belly up and it goes digital. And I really, I look in the mirror and I said, if you don't get your act together, you're going to be a dinosaur. Yeah. I mean, you can't. So what did I do? I go on check and, and Cornell University Ivy League has this incredible digital marketing mastery certificate, three month certificate, blah, blah, blah. And I'm a little nervous. I'm now back in school and, and I joined this class and I spent you know a couple thousand dollars to take this class and they, they put up everybody's profile. I am 20 years old. Everybody in there is 30. And and they're nervous and they're all living in New York and they're all working in advertising, all stuff. And here's this like old guy from Dubai. I loved it when I was smoking the grades. I loved it. It's like I could still go back to school and I was number one student in my class in university. I could still be the top student and wow. do the, you know, do the term papers and do all the reports that we had to do. And I come out of that and it would be funny. I would sit in meetings with ad agencies in Dubai with these young guys. Now they've got 
you know, every part of their body is pierced. They've pierced every orifice that they've got and they've got tattoos all over everything. You know what? But they don't know anything about it. They think they know digital marketing because they got a Facebook account. And and we'd be in talks and I'd be talking about, let's do some A-B testing. Let's do, you know, this and this. And what about the mix? And what about native advertising? And they're like, they don't even know what I'm talking about. I said, I, I literally said, you guys should be taking some courses because you're out pitching that we're like a digital marketing house. Yeah. And I'm an old guy with, with a bad prostate and I'm kicking your butt. Okay. This is a sad state of affairs. You know, it, it, you guys got to pick up your game. And so there are, and, and also with energy, I think during the pandemic, it, I wrote a note on it. It was fascinating. You know who did the best in the pandemic in my company? All the guys over 55. Okay. All my older guys cruised through it. No big deal. I had people in mental breakdowns and, you know, this and that. And, and, and you know, that's fine. I understand. But, but it's interesting. We were all in the same pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all in the same situation. And, and, and uh, you know, some people get through it with ease and some people really struggle. And I, I, that's okay. And I understand that. But it was interesting. I had at that time, I think there was five or six of us, uh, you know, myself and the chairman. Yeah, there was five of us. All five, it was just like, it wasn't, okay, you didn't get to go out. You, you know, we're in lockdown, big deal. Watch another movie, you know. I mean, it wasn't anything. Yeah, it, you know, I, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so it, it's funny that you can, you can prove yourself in these situations. I don't think age is any issue. I hire on energy. And so when we've interviewed in this company, when we interviewed these guys that were like 58, 59, 60, I told the interview panel, don't get hung up on age, but look at energy. Do they have the energy to do the job? Forget the age thing. And they, we interviewed and we say, you know what? They got the energy they're taking care, but they do take care of themselves. I think Mm -hmm. I have seen people that come in in their late fifties and they're, they're 30, 40 kilos overweight. Yeah. And they struggle to walk up stat. You know, you say this is when the questions start to come. You've got to take care of yourself. And that's my big advice to people my age is eat right, take care of yourself and make health not an issue. Yeah. Don't make health okay. an issue. You have to take that away. Okay, cool. And thank you so much. I need you to hang on for a second as we close out. Just hang on yeah. for a second. Thank no you so problem. much. No okay. problem, my friend. Some things are hard to describe. You have to experience them like a new and improved fine toilet paper. It simply upgrades your experience to another level. Three layers that absorb up to 60% more. Try the new best ever fine toilet paper.